there's there's not food at all. They're just like drinking and doing paperwork. Well, that's not very appetizing. And, no, it's not. But she had a book and she was looking at the sky. So yeah, yeah. I know this makes sense for an appetizing. Is it gonna rain? <laughs> She's inside. Look at her lightning. She's inside. Look at her thunder. She's inside, Sam. Okay. Well, we're back. Uh, it is the last day of August, thirty uh, first. Well, no. Yeah. This is the Tuesday that we're looking at. Today's the 31st. Oh. Because it comes out on Thursday, and this came out on Tuesday. If that makes sense. Yeah. So know. welcome, everybody, to Thursday Night Appetizer. My name is Sam. This is Graham. It rhymes. Sam Graham. Yeah. Graham has a purple shirt on. Looks a little blue in the picture. It does. And we're enjoying a Gatorade, the two of us again. Again. We liked them so much last time. Um. And I've uh, got a great passage today. Just as fake as it Again, we're working our way through the book of Matthew. We're on chapter 16. And uh, last week we had a great discussion about uh, the keys, Jesus, Jesus giving the keys of the kingdom and the authority to bind and loose. I know awful Peter is. To Peter. And we were thinking maybe he wasn't the best choice. John was a better choice, I think we said. John, in the end, was a lot more faithful, but he was young. Probably only like a teenager at the time. Maybe. I think. Uh, maybe, but anyway, that didn't seem to matter to Jesus. But anyway, he picked Peter, and uh, thank God for that. And, um, well, turned I out... still would be here if John had been the Pope. It turned out okay. Peter, Peter redeemed himself very well. He had died a martyr. He led the early church. Um, no, it was in the end, it was a good choice, but... Why? My mic's on a sweater. Oh, well, go get it. <laughs> well, I forgot my mic. It's fine. That's no problem. No problemo. They could they probably hear, hear most of what you said through mine anyway. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? It's working good. Can you hear me? No, I'm just trying to annoy the viewers. Oh. Okay. So I have my mic now. Um that I forgot. No viewer feedback that I know about, but we love you. You have your feedback. We'll mention you on the show. You could become famous if one of our episodes ever goes viral. Yeah, like that's ever gonna happen. Um you you can have bragging rights and be like, I was one of the first people ever. To complain about Sam's sweater on yeah, it does look really tacky. Thursday night appetizer. <laughs> what? It's it's a really awful sweater for you. It's not an awful sweater. It's good. Does it say Echo? Yeah. I don't know. Not my not my type. Kind of smells. You kind of <laughs> you probably kind of smell. I think it's got blood on this. Uh, is that blood? I don't know. I'm not the one wearing it, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> you kind of look. I can't place it, but you look like a little homeless with that sweater. <laughs> oh, that's rude. Okay, no offense to anyone who might be homeless. Or wearing that sweater. <laughs> or who has a sweater like this. That well, this mysteriously went missing. I, wonder, I wonder what the correlation is, is all I'm saying. Okay, so anyway, we're going to start with the background here today. And we have it, I have it here. We weren't sure there for a second, but we got it. So the title is, What Can You Give in Exchange for Your Life? The steep cost of following Jesus is the question for today. Jesus asks this question because his disciples don't want to understand the price he is going to pay for our redemption. To redeem meant to pay the price to set a slave free. That's where where the word redemption comes from, the word redeem. To pay the price to get a a slave free. We are slaves to sin and death. Jesus shows the disciples that he must suffer, be killed, and then rise again. Just a short time before, Peter had proclaimed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus had told him that he was a rock, meaning uh, the, the name Peter means rock. 
People could count on Peter because of his faith. But now Peter can't believe the cost that Jesus has to pay to fulfill his destiny as the Christ, the Messiah. Peter had expected that God would simply use his power to make everything right. And God does make everything right, but not in the way Peter would like. However, it isn't just that Jesus faces the cross. Jesus says that whoever wants to follow him must also accept his cross. So we are all faced with a choice, doing things our own way, trying to gain the whole world, or being willing to give up our lives for Jesus' sake. But choosing to follow Jesus comes with its own reward. He is the only way to heaven, and he promises all who follow him that when he returns in glory, he will repay each one of us. Then the gates of eternal life will open for us. And that's our backgrounder for this week. Something Charles always says. Pretty proud of myself. All right, so then I pray. And Gal Graham is going to pray for us and for all of you as we listen to the scripture. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity you have given us to delve into your word. Um, and we thank you for your great glory today as you provide each of us our daily bread and that which we need. So we pray today, Lord, that uh, you would help us to gain something from this scripture, to accept your word into our hearts and to live it out in our lives. Uh, we pray especially that you would help us with whatever crosses that you have given us in our lives. Help us to bear them well, Lord, and not to run away from them, but to embrace them and to serve you in all things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our passage for today is Matthew 16, verses 21 to 27. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed on the third day, be raised. Oh, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and he will repay all according to his conduct. Matthew 16, verses 21 to 27. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. What do you got for us, Graham? What do I have for us? What does the Holy Spirit have for us, Graham? 
through me instead of through you? <laughs> what does the Holy Spirit have in my heart and what does he have in yours? So, well, I mean, the first thing I noticed was, as we talked about last week, the contrast between Jesus' promises to Peter or blessings upon Peter or whatever you want to say. And and then later he says, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. So the first thing I notice is the contrast between those two. Um, but the second thing I notice, which is you know probably the main part of this passage, is Jesus saying to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then what profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? So it really makes you or makes me at least, kind of question what the ultimate goal of your life should be, and then like what each of your smaller goals should be along the way. Like, obviously, he directly says that all material profit is, in, is worthless in the end, so we have to focus on something that is more, more eternal rather than temporal. But, I don't know, that comes with a huge amount of of different possibilities and what exactly is the best course of action, but I think require a lot of discernment. But that's what first comes to mind from this passage for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the question that Charles asks, what can you give in exchange for your life, which is what Jesus says here. Um, yeah, it's like, what do you want like your life to mean or like, how do you want it to end, right? Um, because I, I mean, like, well, I'm sure you can relate. the The temptation is just to like to the the verse I picked was as human beings do. The temptation is just to sort of do things that are natural to us as human beings, which is seek wealth, seek power, fame, fortune, pleasure. comfort, pleasure, satisfaction, satis earthly satisfaction in material things, and not just material things, but people, and uh, which have eventually becomes using people, Yeah. right? Um, in order to get what we think we want. I think, um, I think the, uh, the catechism, I think it's maybe, maybe paragraph one of the catechism. Uh, it talks about a, that a desire has been placed in every human heart, the desire to, to know God, to return to the creator is, is a desire each of us has. But the way that plays out is actually a desire to be like happy, like to be fulfilled. And we do that in all sorts of ways, but never we never fully achieve it unless we do what Jesus said, which is deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. That's the only way to truly be 100% happy and fulfilled. And I know that. I don't know if happy is the right word for it. But happy in a... Joyful, perhaps. Maybe joyful, it. whichever one is the most permanent and not the one that is just like a fleeting feeling. More like a deep and abiding satisfaction. Yeah, in the state yeah. Of things. Right. Yeah, you're right, because you can be happy like... Yeah. Like eating chips makes me happy. But the definition of happy is somewhat finicky, I think. Yeah, so it depends on how you find it. This, this does not make me happy. It's... My point is, I know that, and I've heard Jesus say this before to me, and yet I don't do it. And yet I go, I'm more like Peter most of the time, where I'm thinking in terms, in human ways, and thinking about how can, um, you know, how can we, it, it, he's thinking about Jesus is the Messiah. He's supposed to be here to set us free. And he's thinking like freedom from the Romans, freedom from the oppression, from the the killings and people going missing and all the stuff that the and Romans taxes. were doing. Taxes. 
uh, horrible hardship under the Roman Empire. Yeah. He's thinking, no, you're, you're here to set us free. That's what the Messiah was prophesied to do. He will set his people free, right? He will loose their bonds, free the, capt free the captives. Um, and so he's thinking, we'll just put together an army. Look at all your followers. We can, we can take them. <laughs> Which is not at all true. They'd be like a few thousand backwater people. I know. I know. Well, did not a fight. Jesus was at this point was gaining popularity. Yeah, but even then, and against Peter, the Roman legions. Yeah, I know it was a pipe dream. But the the thing is, that's why the um, the rulers, like the religious rulers, didn't recognize Jesus because they misinterpreted the prophecies, and they were looking for someone more like King David than someone yeah. like Jesus. Right. The the fact that Jesus is talking about going and being killed by the religious leaders was like the opposite of what people thought the Messiah was going to do. Without even having like the support of all the religious leaders. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, oh, yeah, he's cool. like Messiah. a new king. A new king yeah. is coming. Like remember Herod killing all the killing all the children. Herod ordered all the children in Bethlehem to be the first, the boys in Bethlehem under two years yeah, old. Because he would have thought. All be killed because he thought the king was coming from there. And then that Jesus would be a threat to his position of power. So Herod and the religious leaders and Peter are all thinking the way Peter is right now. No, you're you're going to assemble an army and overthrow the the occupying force. That's what's going to happen. That's the way humans think, right? That's that's as human beings think. On the other hand, Jesus is saying, "No, it's actually going to come from my death." And if you think that, then you're and safe. your death. <laughs> yeah, you're going to die too. Yeah, isn't that comforting? And in a way, like. Like taking up his cross, like Peter literally did that at the end of his life. We, we're all called to do that figuratively, spiritually. Take up our cross to basically accept the burdens that yeah. come our way with joy and with, with uh, willingness. Peter actually literally took up his cross and died on a cross. Upside down. Upside down at the end of his life. So, so wow. Like, How many of the disciples died from crucifixion? Um, oh, a Andrew whole bunch. and Peter both did. I think almost all of them. I think there was maybe one or two that, that didn't. Oh, at least one Thomas of them was, was added. Thomas was thrown from a building. Um, yeah, quicker way to I go. don't remember how they were all killed. I think only a couple Some of them, them were skinned. Because we have Peter's cross, which is an upside down cross. And then we have St. Andrew's cross. He's like the, the diagonal Peter one. Peter and Andrew were both crucified, yep. you know, in some way. So I guess I'm just thinking like, you can't really blame Peter. I mean, well, he didn't really know what this meant. But little did he know, for him, taking up his cross would be <laughs> something that we'd literally have to do at the end of his life. I, I think for all of us, it means something different. Like, what, what does it mean to take up your cross? Like, what do you think, do you mind me asking what you think taking up your cross at this moment in life means? Mine would probably be like a sideways cross instead of an upside No, I mean like, <laughs> no. when um, you hear Jesus say, um, take up, he must, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean for you? What is the cross that he's asking you to pick up? I guess I would probably say at the present moment is to put the spiritual and emotional well-being of other people first. Yeah. Not like, I guess it's probably a bad way of phrasing it, not like the spiritual well-being because my spiritual well-being is obviously as important as well, but to, I guess, sacrifice some of my physical and emotional well-being for the spiritual and emotional well-being of others. A few people in particular that don't need to be named. but Especially your own comforts and your own... Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I think like, so I work here, this is my part, partly my job is to like help, help people learn how to evangelize, to evangelize myself. Um, like just, uh, 
every every Wednesday I go and I hang out with um, with people at uh, it's normally called the Light on Main, but it's actually like a lunch that that we give that we do in in the community here. So these aren't every like Wednesday? Hmm? every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, I've never been invited. So it's actually this isn't um, these aren't like regular church people. These are like just people from our community that come. Some of them are there because they're hungry. Some of them just like the community. Uh, it doesn't matter. We uh, Just some people there that I know really well because I've been going every week. Um, where I'm going with this is it's often a real, it's often really uncomfortable for me to be there. <laughs> like, not that I don't like the people, but like they get sometimes talking about things that make me uncomfortable. Not to name any names. Not to mention, I'm not going to mention I'm any names. you, Fred. <laughs> yeah, right, Fred. <laughs> um, so for me, like in a really tangible way, I think it, what it means is denying myself taking up my cross means not hiding in the church and yeah. actually going out and being with people even though I'm a people person it makes me uncomfortable because because of the nature of some of the people that that go there so, okay, so it would be then sacrificing your own comfort or desires or even safety yeah like I, I, no I, I i genuinely mean that i've actually my there have been a lot of times, especially in the last couple of years, where I've really felt like I was in harm's way. Well, Fred is really not sketchy. at this not at this event. This event is perfectly safe, except for Fred. But sometimes you go to someone's house or like, and it's quite actually frightening to be there. And they show um, you like the room full of knives that they collect. Yeah, or like <laughs> they just get they. Sometimes they have real anger issues or real like they have like a violent past. And you worry, and you about don't know if you're going to become the next target. <laughs> You'll be. You'll be the next trophy on the wall. Um, another thing that comes to mind is when we're when we're evangelizing, when we we are drawing people into our lives. Um, I, I know you know this because we've talked about this. And someone is like relying on you for like that spiritual care you were talking about or emotional care. You have to deny yourself by actually like you have to sacrifice for them, like not just your time, but like sometimes you have to give them like they need money or they need like a place to live or they need rescue, or they need um, guidance or advice or food or whatever it is. Like yeah. you're sort of on the hook. Once once you enter a relationship with someone and you're you're accompanying them, you're responsible for them. Have you, have you had well, experienced experience something like that before? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and it's like you can't cut, not that you'd want to, but you definitely can't just cut them off either. Like you are kind of, you are kind of at that point, like a fish on a hook, you have to carry the whole thing through. And then get You're eaten, a fish on a hook. And then get eaten by the person who's the fisherman. Okay. But, um, <laughs> no, but you are you are somewhat on the hook for that. And it's your duty at that point to carry through and and serve them as Christ-like as you can, mm -hmm. or as best as you can. That's to, to me, it means what what he means by take up his cross is you have to do what's necessary, even if it costs you your life or your or or any anything less than that. Like you have to basically be willing to do whatever it takes in order to follow Jesus and to lay your life down if necessary. I know that that's what the, uh, most of the, all of the apostles did that in real life. Um, literally, um, even died. he literally laid down his life. He just, he died of old age, but. He chilled on an island. We actually don't really know what happened to him, I don't think. I don't think it was on the island of Patmos. I know, but I don't think they ever found his body. That's what I mean. No, but, well, do we even know where Patmos is? Did it sink? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Maybe it flooded and he just I'm died. assuming it's still there in like the Cretian Islands, like the... I don't know. No, I, I don't know. Couldn't say. But um, like all of them did this literally to the end. They were, they eventually, they uh, 
were asked, their, their lives were asked of them and all of the martyrs, of course, that's what, when Jesus says this to a martyr, John de Brebeuf or anyone else, that's what he's asking. I want you to get to lay down your life. Um, speaking of Jean de Brebeuf, been thinking about him a lot. We were just talking about him this morning because there was a pilgrimage there. He is one of your favorite saints. To the site where he died. And I've been there before. It's called San Ignace. And um, Jean de Brebeuf wrote quite a, quite a lot. So we know a lot about his life as he lived among the Hurons. So he was a missionary, a Jesuit missionary from France, came to the New World in the 1500s, and then settled in Huronia, which is now Midland, the Midland area, and uh, was there as a missionary to the, to the Wendat people, so the, the, the uh, Aboriginal people that were there, the indigenous people. Um, he was there to preach the gospel, to learn their language, to translate the Bible, to baptize, to confirm all those things, give them the sacraments. So he lived there for a number of years with a lot of other Christians. Eventually was martyred. Out uh, of nowhere. Well, they, they were invaded by um, the tribe a tribe from the yeah. south, the, known as the Iroquois at the time. I don't know who, what they're called now. Sorry. They're still the Iroquois, I think. I, I think they prefer a different name now, but whatever. Um, I just don't know it. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, they attacked, and rather than uh, Jean de Brebeuf and his, and his friend who were at St. Ignace at the time, it was an encampment, not the main city, but an encampment, let everyone else escape and then stood there to face the, the invaders, okay? Just alone. The height of, like, the most, one of the most heroic things you can do is, like, s- sacrifice your life. But what, would that have been necessary? You just kind of stood there. Did he just basically was like, I'm, I'm going to stay here as like bait and you guys go. Cause they really hated the, they really hated the missionaries. Like they, he knew it would keep them busy for a while. Basically they would be tortured and everything. So, um, they did, they did, the others did get to St. Marie, which is the, the fortress, uh, safely. It all ended up getting burned to the ground anyway, but anyway, it was still heroic. (laughs) By the Iroquois again? Yeah. Okay. My point is, we know a lot about John de Brebeuf because he wrote a journal. Like he kept a really, like a journal every single day while he was there, and it was very hard for him to be there. So, like laying down his life meant living with them. He was sick a lot. It was cold. Uh, in the winters, they slept like next to each other. It was like there were a lot of diseases and like rats, and it was tough, tough living. Okay, we would all probably shy away from it now. And then he got died. He got died. He got he died. died. By he got died. <laughs> he got died. Um, Here's, here's what I was going to say. In his writings, he was, he was almost every day, one of the things he would say is, I know in my heart that I'm going to be martyred. And I pray that I would have the courage to face my own martyrdom when it comes. He would say that like every single day. So he had like a premonition or like a sense that he would eventually be called to give his life. I just think that's amazing. And he was not the least bit afraid. He was like a very, he was heroic right to the end. He's probably like, well, at this point, I'd Can you see why he's my hero? Because he's like, a boss of a man. Well, maybe, maybe maybe he just thought he'd rather be dead than live with the rats. I don't know. That's an extreme example, but I think all of us have to have to make those choices every day, whether we're going to lay down our life. Absolutely. I mean, it's one thing to die for Christ. It's another thing to live for him, right? Because it's, it's a ton of small decisions throughout your day constantly that you have to choose him. Did you, you asked me before, uh, before the show, um, if I was a saint, what would I be like remembered for? What would, <laughs> what would, I, what would you be the patron saint of? What would I be the patron saint of, right? Yeah. And um, I was, that just reminded me of that because I, I don't know, like, do you ever wonder like if you were in the situation where it was, you were called to be a martyr, if you'd be able to do it? Absolutely. I've wondered that many times. Have you? 
I've wondered that. I, I think about that. Like maybe I'll be known for being like something heroic like that. I don't know. Or maybe you'll be known for not being heroic. Maybe I'll be the patron saint of lazy farmers. Lazy farmers. <laughs> That's kind of oxymoronic, I would think. Lazy church workers. There you go. There's a lot of those. Of church workers in need of repentance. Yes. That's, that's, that's what I'll be the patron saint of. There's at least one of them in this church. It's... <laughs> yes. What would I be the patron saint of? Suckling at the church's teat. <laughs> Why do you have to phrase it that way? <laughs> Sam the babe. He's got about as much hair as one. <laughs> oh. oh. I'm so glad Charles isn't here. He'd be mad if I said something like that. Well, maybe I'm mad too. I don't you know. know. Cross over the line. I haven't decided yet. I've said a bad word. <gasps> what? Teat? Yeah. Now you said it. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. We're going to get canceled. Charles, we're never going to be invited back. Next week, Charles will be here by himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was probably not going to get invited back. <laughs> with another with another guest. Yeah. You can call him not Sam. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, one thing I do note about this. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily learning about this passage, but when he says, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, mm -hmm. that reminds me of the passage where he says, take my yoke upon me, or, upon you and learn from me. Um, mm -hmm. Although in this case, it would be, this one is just take up your own cross and have fun instead of learn yeah. with me. But obviously Jesus is going to be there to help you with it. He's not just going to abandon you. So... I think in reality, you're more like Simon, then, like the Simon that carried Jesus' cross. Oh, of Simon he's the one that carries it. You're like a helper, right? Yeah. You just kind of come in and be like, hey, you need a hand? Um, and you're not beaten and scourged and covered in thorns. So it's easier for you. Another, that, that reminds me of another thing about mission that uh, I think we should think about is when. Another, another, you could take this to mean something similar, which is that we are called to carry the crosses of other people, like people that have bigger burdens than us. Yeah. Like you and I both have like a pretty privileged life. So privileged. Speaking for you, I know you have. <laughs> Speaking for me. I know you have, I know you have, you have your own challenges and everything. I'm not denying that. And no, I do too. No challenges. as. But the both of us have like never been hungry or had not not enough clothing or not enough transportation yeah. or not enough energy or whatever we it is in safe houses that we, we basically live like the top one percent of people on earth live top like 0 0.01 percent okay yeah something like that so we're very very blessed but we're actually we're actually called to to help carry the burdens of other people and that has different meanings in different contexts but um that's that's part of denying yourself. Like like these things don't belong to me. Like my money and my yeah. my goods and things and my time. They don't actually belong to me. They're actually God's. I mean, you have the capability, I guess, to not to not to deny yourself and take up your cross, but you could just indulge yourself in sure in the the, the relative luxury that we have in our lives. Yeah, think but, of, think of how easy it is to do. Yeah. Oh, I deserve this. Yeah. I could just go home and just exist. Right. Eat cake, play video games all day. But. Yeah, I, I, that sounds great. It sounds. Can fun. we do that this afternoon? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have we have to. Let's go to your to, place and play video games yeah, and eat no, cake. I love it. We have to stay on topic. <laughs> um, but that's not what we're called to do, right? It's what we're called to do is is deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow him. Or in some cases, perhaps uh, deny ourselves and take up the crosses of others. Which, but why? Why? 
Because Jesus told us to. I know, but why? What's in it for us? Heaven, probably. <laughs> probably heaven, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think that's that's the end here, that he will repay all according to his conduct. I mean, I mean, directly here. Yeah. To do right? that would be yourself, you're growing in virtue by doing that. So, and growing in virtue is always a good thing. Gets you to heaven faster, or at all, do you, whatever. What do you think of the line, what profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and for, forfeit his life? I think it's a great passage, actually. I think about that one a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everything that we have here, our cake and video games, is all completely temporal. You can only play so many video games before you die, and you can only eat so much cake before you die. So, <laughs> and obviously it's not talking about forfeiting your life as in physically, but rather spiritually. So, we, we, we should have our eyes more fixed on what's ahead, what's, what's eternal, rather than what is tempting and, and short-lived in the, this life. And there, there are so many examples of people that have gained the whole world, like just like had everything they ever wanted in life. To the point where they start naming their kids after letters and numbers. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, at, and then get to the end of their life and are just so disillusioned by mm-hmm. their own wealth and their own like stuff. But when you get to that point, I mean, I think it's human nature to, to desire progress. So once you get to like the peak of that, you're, I don't know, maybe you're Elon Musk and you have hundreds of billions of dollars. There doesn't seem like there's much room for progress, at least in that regard. So once you, you're at like a place where you've like one life per se, then what do you do next? Your life seems to become, I, I would assume, I'm not a billionaire, but I would assume that your life seems to become a little purposeless. Because like at the point, what do you do? Of course. Um, like there's a bunch of verses about money and that Jesus mentions. Like one is can't, you cannot serve money, God and money, basically. You have to choose a master. God, God can be your master or money can be your master. Which means so if you're rich, you go to hell. That's no, what, what it means is we have to have, <laughs> it, it's hard. What it means is if you're rich, it's hard to go to, to heaven. Whole, he did say that. Whole camel, eye of needle thing. Yeah, or the rich man, right? It's, it's, yeah. The rich man went away sad because he had to give up everything. Yeah. So we can't serve both God and money, and and money becomes our our God if if we don't if we let it. And that that's true for poor people as much as rich people. There are many. I'm sure there are many poor those that that are we would consider poor. I don't know. Um, that are obsessed with money, with getting it right, even though they don't have it. And then there's those that have spent their whole life looking for it. I think in the end it leaves you empty. Um, that's part of what it means. We have to be detached from our possessions, right? Yeah. And from people. We also have to be detached from people. People aren't important. Not that we should be, like use people as human shields. And people also aren't <laughs> Like important. let them take the fall for us. <laughs> yeah. But we have to be willing to let, we have to realize that people don't belong to us. Just like detach yourself from the Just like money, just like time, just like all the things that we're called to lay down. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess really this passage is then about keeping your priorities straight. Because, I mean, when it says what profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life, there's nothing you can gain in this world that is of any worth when compared with eternity. That's right. That's the answer to that question. Nothing. Yeah. Right? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? Well, what could you possibly offer in this life that would be at all worth anything when compared with You have to lose your life. You have to give your life in exchange for your life. Yeah. But even then, your life (laughs) on this earth is not worth what 
an eternity of life. Right. That's right. That's why even there's literally nothing you can offer. It would at that point only be a free gift of God. That's why the saints were so willing. The martyrs were so willing to throw it to throw it away because they knew that the earthly life was worth throwing away in order to gain eternal life. Which I mean, because it's the equivalent of giving someone a penny and receiving a billion dollars. Because the that's just the the difference in value is just so extreme. Um, I have a question for you about high school. Never been. <laughs> you just finished recently. Well, a year. That ago. was like a year ago. But um, did you find like there? Do you find there's like an obsession with, like when they're talking about, for instance, careers? Ostensibly, high school is preparation for. Ostensibly. For future, for your future. Theoretically. For a career and things like that. Do you find that how much money you could make was like a big factor in the the choice of like a career path or things like that? I gotta say, I probably not the right person to ask this for because I mean all the people that I went to high school with didn't seem to it's not that they didn't seem to care about money but they didn't seem to know what to do with their lives at all oh <laughs> so at that point they wouldn't even have been factoring in money because hmm. they were just I don't I don't think high school properly prepares you for the real world nor, you, <laughs> nor do I I just remember like the brochures and stuff they would give you like when universities came they were actually listed that the the courses were listed in order of how much money you could make, like from hmm. mo- most to less. <laughs> I mean, I suppose probably some people are considering that. Yeah. Because you do need money to live. And I think now we've maybe gone a little too far the other way where it's more like people are too obsessed with things they think they might like doing or they might enjoy rather than actually making a living. I don't know. Right. That's just kind of a thought. I have kids in the high school years and. Maybe he's homeschooled. And they're, you know, going through all this. So I was just thinking about that. But uh, it, it is, this is one of the hardest things Jesus ever said, I think, which was you need to take up your, deny yourself, take up your cross in order yeah. to be his disciple. But give up on this life because it's And give up on worthless. this life. Yeah. Like, and, and, uh, and let it go. Let everything go for him. That, yeah. That's like the most challenging thing. That's almost as crazy as giving Peter the, kings to the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, I think it's, it's still a little more crazy. Here's a, here, here's a brand new Bugatti, and here are the keys. <laughs> but also, don't <laughs> worry about the Bugatti, because it's no. worthless. Yeah, just like if something, yeah. Bugattis are kind of expensive. I mean, if it you is have, Bugatti, right? if you have a, an extra Bugatti, I'll be happy to take it out. I know, hands. I just think it's a lot of responsibility for poor Peter. Yeah. And then he's really hard on him here. I. Peter, Peter kind of got a raw deal. Yeah. It's like, here, Peter, I'm giving you the most responsibility anybody has ever had. Also, you suck. Yeah. You're Satan. Also, you're Satan. <laughs> I can just he's imagine so what he's rude. thinking. Like, he's like, poor Peter's probably just like, what did I do? I'm trying. Yeah. Like, it, wasn't it a little harsh? I know Jesus never sinned. But like, do you think he was being a little hard on Peter here? Calling him Satan? Maybe. I mean, we don't know if he said it with a smile on his face, right? I guess. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. You said you're an obstacle to me. I, I wonder if maybe he was actually talking to Satan and not Peter. Maybe. Maybe. He said Satan's it to Peter, but maybe Peter really was acting on behalf of Satan and Jesus knew it. That's going to make Peter feel even worse, though. Well, it wasn't Jesus' fault that Peter was possessed by Satan. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not Peter's fault either. Clearly, didn't matter. <laughs> Satan was still there and needed yeah. to be rebuked. <laughs> I don't know. Or do you think he was saying you're acting like Satan? Or do you think he was saying 
Satan because Satan was actually there. I don't think he was literally talking to Satan. Okay. I think, well, because Satan is by definition That's, like the, obs, or not the obstacle, but the adversary of God, right? Yeah. So he'd be like, Satan you are being my Peter. adversary. Yes, but I don't think that's what he meant. Okay. I think he meant you're, you're being I think it's a pretty liberal read of, I think it's a pretty re- liberal read of this. You can think what you want. That's not what literally what it says. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, you can think what you want, Sam, but I don't think he was possessed by Satan. Like if Jesus was making that up, what else was he making up? <laughs> well, that depends. Does the definition of the word <laughs> Satan refer to a little per- literal person or just mean adversary of God? Good question. Comment in the put a put a comment, comment under the video. Send feedback. <laughs> yeah. Was does do you think Jesus meant Satan literally? It's capital S, right? It is. Okay. Or does Satan mean something else? Or was he just talking to Peter and comparing him to Satan because he was getting in his way? Yeah, maybe. You decide. We can have Deacon, Deacon Charles can weigh in when he gets back. Yeah, Deacon we Charles helps out here. We're having a theological problem. Yeah, exactly. Or are we just supposed to interpret everything Jesus says? Not in a literal sense, but kind of just however we want, like Graham seems to want to. Wow, that's because so, that is not what I said. I mean, it could apply to like everything he said about salvation, about sin. About I didn't say that in the slightest. You are twisting well, my Jesus words. Jesus said the keys to the kingdom, okay, but maybe well. he meant, maybe the, maybe to the kingdom of heaven, he meant like, I don't know, like an anthill. <laughs> maybe the kingdom of heaven he was describing was really just like LA or something. Maybe heaven is a theory. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> enough of that. No, I'm you, just, we're just joking. Sam's just a heretic. And we're just joking. It. It's, I just, it's yeah. fine. So let's uh, let's stop before we do any more damage and get ourselves into more trouble. Yeah, there you go. Thank you all for watching Thursday Night Appetizer. I hope for in some way this helped you. Somehow, Might, maybe it Holy helped Spirit. you by telling by showing you that you should avoid Graham and I. Yeah, whenever a, you see, that's, I don't. It sounds like a pretty good life advice if I yeah. do so myself. In order to follow Jesus, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. I'm going to close with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father, what you say today uh, in these words of Jesus uh, through the writing of the Gospel of, Matthew, Gospel of Matthew is a tough passage to read. It's difficult for us, Lord, to see past all of the things that we have and all of our earthly desires and wants and needs to what you are asking of us. And uh, Lord, we know that you give us the grace through the Holy Spirit to see the areas of our lives that we need to let go of, that we need to be willing to lay down in order to truly take up our cross and follow you. I'm also just thinking right now, Lord, um, about those that carry such huge burdens in their lives. They carry so many hurts, so much wo- so much woundedness, um, so many things in their past, so many broken relationships, and the, the cross is heavy for them to bear. I pray that you would show us, Lord, how we can help to carry the crosses of those in our own lives. As we call these people to mind, we ask you, Lord, just to make us uh, like Simon of Cyrene, who, who helped carry your cross. Pray that we'd be able to help carry the crosses of others. And in so doing, show them who Jesus really is. Show, show them that Jesus is living within us and is part of our lives. And uh, we ask you, Lord, to uh, bless all of those who are listening, to be with Deacon Charles and Mary as they are traveling and as they come back. And uh, we just ask you, Lord, to always lead us in, in your path and in your direction. Help us to carry our cross daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. God bless you. From Graham and Sam, signing off. Bye-bye.